This teaching comes to you from the team at Anchor Church Sydney. We hope you're blessed by it. For more teachings, resources or info, check out our website, www.anchorchurch.com.au. Heavenly Father, we want to acknowledge that every good gift comes from you, Lord. Every good gift comes from above. Lord, where we're at financially is a gift from you, from um, you raising up a spirit of generosity in your family, Lord. Continue to... You help us to be cheerful and grateful as we give. And Lord, this morning, help us, to, help us to see Jesus as a giver. Lord, as we receive from him and your word this morning, help us to, yeah, to sit here, to listen, and to, to be changed and transformed by, by your word. We pray this in Jesus' beautiful name. Amen. I've entered this really sad, a strong word, but... I don't know, I'm feeling old, if I'm being real, I'm feeling old. I'm going to a lot of baby showers, I'm going to a lot of baby showers now, I'm not going to any 21st anymore, I'm going to less and less weddings, I'm going to a lot of baby showers. And I, was at, I was at a baby shower a few weeks ago, and I saw the game Pass the Parcel. You guys remember the game Pass the Parcel? Super fun game, and they were really young though, so when they're real young, you rev them up a bit, it's like, all right, when the music plays, you've got to toss the parcel as fast as it can, as fast as it can, like hot potato, hot potato. And they're like, yeah, all right. Music plays, the parcel zooms around, zooms around, zooms around, zooms around. As they get older, and you parents know this, something really interesting happens. As they get older, they, f- they figure out what the game's about. When the music stops, whoever gets the parcel, they, they get the gift. And so you go to like, like a... You're not a baby shower, you're like a fifth birthday or like a seventh birthday, you play past the parcel, what happens? Music plays, and they just do the classic real slow. <laughs> Is it going to press it? And it keeps going, they're so gutted, and it goes around, they catch it, oh, goes a bit slower this time. And they figure it out. As they get older, they figure it out that if the, if the music stops on them, that they get, they get the parcel. That's a really interesting illustration for us because as I've gotten older and the culture and the pressure of money, I've, I've, I've learned to hold on a bit more and less willing to give on. Um, just being upfront, I know we're talking about money. I want to, be, I want to give you guys a bit of context for, uh, for my history. Um, mum, Korea, I was born in Korea, so mum, immigrant parents, so immigrant mum. Dad's a teacher. Um, actually came from pretty humble beginnings. Never went on a lot of holidays growing up. Money was actually pretty tight. However, the trajectory did go from money being quite tight to being pretty well off. You know, we moved to the Northern Beaches when I was in primary school. They, they worked very hard. They scrapped very hard. Budget was very tight. Um, but they, we ended up being pretty well off. And I think as I've been self-assessing through preparing this message, like what's going on in my heart? Where, what has my family history taught me about money is that It's actually taught me to be quite tight with my money. As I saw their struggle just to pay off the mortgage and go go week to week, month to month in the early days, I think that that taught me something in my heart. And I've personally wrestled through this idea of of generosity, giving, giving to the church. What does that look like? Why does does God tell us to be generous? and there's just, there's just so much noise, so much noise about money, so much noise about money. Culture, culture tells us, accumulate. And God says, to give. Culture says, you've earned it. 
you worked hard for this. It's yours. And God actually says, your talents, your gift, your mind, your money, it's a gift from me. I don't know if you feel that tension. You feel that tension. What's the answer? Where, where do we go with this tension? Um, also, I just want to own that probably, probably alongside sex, this is the most invasive topic we could talk about. You know, don't, don't tell me what to do with my money. Don't tell me what to do about my sexuality. Um, I, want you to, I want you to come with me today. We're going to give that a wave. We're going to acknowledge that, and then we're just going to drive straight over the top of it. <laughs> and we're, we're going to look at what God has to say about money, because it's really important to God. I don't know if you know this in the Bible. The Bible talks 800 times about wealth and finances and possessions and tithing and stewardships. 25%. 25%, a quarter of Jesus' parables, he's talking about stewardship and money. So super, super important to God and Jesus. <laughs> it's important for us to, to think about because there's a lot of noise about it. That's how it's got one question. One question, it's, it's the why question. Why do we give? Why? What's the motivation? What's the, what's the purpose in doing it? Why do we give? Why should we be generous? It's got one point, and then we're going we're gonna to unpack a few biblical truths, but one point, why do we give? Because Jesus is the most generous giver. What's our motivation? Where does our spirit of generosity come from? Why do we give? Because Jesus is the most generous giver. Okay, we're going to start with Jesus. I get to talk about Jesus, my favorite thing. Um, I know some of you might have been a bit worried about this message. You know, lead pastor Matt's away. They've wheeled out the executive pastor to take all your money. You know, your hands are out, your hands on your keys and your wallet. You're looking at the door, you're ready to bail. Stay with me, hang in there, because before we talk about money, we get to talk about Jesus. And you catch this, and this is foundational. Before you give anything, you need to get something. Before you're thinking about being generous and giving, you need to receive from God and Jesus. 2 Corinthians 8, 9. We're going to camp out this for a while. It's beautiful. It's so beautiful. 2 Corinthians 8, 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. It's a lot there. So you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was what? Rich. Now, was, was, was Jesus rich before he came to earth? When he lived in heaven, in eternity past with God, was Jesus rich? Yes, really, really, really rich. Isaiah 6 gives us this picture of Jesus on a throne. I don't know if you guys have thrones at home. I just have chairs around my dining table. Jesus has a throne. That's an image of richness, of lavishness, of this kingdom and Jesus has angels, his staff, just praising him. It's what a staff, just praising him constantly, all day, every day. Holy, 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 giving him adoration of this king that's on a throne. And heaven as well. Revelation 21 has this image for us as it describes the place of the roads that are paved with gold. The roads. The roads. I picture, I picture you know, in heaven, the, the construction manager coming to Jesus so Jesus, we've got, we've got all this gold. We've got this leftover gold. Jesus is like, just pave. Just pave the roads with it. Pave the highways with it. And it's just this beautiful image of this, 
of heaven that, that these, of lavishness, that even the gold, this excess gold that, that Jesus just paves with, the highways are paved with gold. That's this image of richness. And Jesus, in eternity past, and right now, and in eternity future, in glory, after coming here, death, resurrection, ascended back into heaven, he's rich. He's rich. And what happened? So eternity past, he's rich. Right now, eternity future, he's rich. What changed? For your sake, he became poor. For your sake, he enters into human history and becomes poor. Like really, really poor. Like his mum would have been in high school. He would have lived in a place not much bigger than a car park. You know what I mean? He would, have, he would have walked to the local well just to get water, to use the toilet. His dad was a carpenter, blue-collar guy, toolbox, lunch kit. I want you to picture that. Jesus became poor for us. And Jesus goes from luxury to poverty, from glory to humility, from being served to a servant. He goes from a throne to laid on a manger. This is not what you'd expect, right? This is how I know the Bible's not made up. No one makes up this kind of God. This isn't, this isn't the, the, the thrust of society right now, people going from you know, riches to poverty. And no one's like, sign me up, where's the get poor quick class? Can I, can I get to that? Can I get to that? No, 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 there's no one out there going like, we, we want to be broke. I'm really rich, but I really want to be broke. I want to be homeless. I mean, God became poor and homeless for your sake. And you start to think about this for, for, for our sake. He becomes poor. He humbles himself to come down and join us. And the eternal God, the maker of heaven and earth, enters into humanity as the God-man Jesus Christ. And he doesn't just become poor materially. He also becomes, he also goes from rich to poor spiritually for our sake. And that we've, we've accrued this debt to God. That we've all by, by nature and by choice sinners and lived in a way that has accrued this debt with God. And God in response sends Jesus, his only begotten son, And Jesus comes and literally pays our debt. He pays our spiritual debt to God the Father. He lives a life without sin. The sin that we commit is not experienced by Jesus. And Jesus goes to the cross, substitutes himself. And for our sake, he who is spiritually rich becomes spiritually poor and cursed. And the wrath of God is poured out on Jesus for our sake. And Jesus suffers and dies on a cross in our place for our sins, paying our debt to God, declaring himself, it is finished. The debt is paid in full and Jesus trades place with us. And here's what this means. It's beautiful. Jesus is a giver, not a taker. Jesus is generous, not stingy. And one way of seeing salvation is that Jesus gives and we receive. That Jesus gives and we receive. 
This is where Christianity is different from other religions. Before God asks you to give anything, God gives you everything. Before God asks you to give anything, God gives you everything. That's, that's amazing. That's amazing that a God is a giver and not a taker. Not, actually, now that I think about it, God actually does ask us to give him something. I don't know where you're at with your journey with God and, and with Jesus, but if you're here today and you, you don't know Jesus and you, and you want to come to Jesus, become a Christian, you're asking, what, what do I give him? What do I give him? Anchor, what, what do you give him? What happens in this transaction? We give him our sin. We give him our sin. That's all we give in this moment, in this transaction. And if, like, if I was God with my Christmas list, it's like, what do I, what do I want from, from creation, from the people I've created? What would I want? And I wouldn't, I wouldn't think, I want, I want sin. I want everybody's sin. Like, I want all of it, all of it, and I'm going to deal with it. But this, that's not a fair deal. That's not a fair deal. No, it's because it's a grace deal. That's the reality we live in, this grace deal, that Jesus goes to the cross, dies for our sin, pays our debt to God, and he invites us to be on mission with him. He goes, there's this whole world of people out there that don't know me. And wouldn't you like them to know Jesus as well and enjoy this freedom, to receive this gift of salvation? All right, if you're going to go, I'm going to put a few things in your hand. But I don't want you to hold on to them like this. I want you to hold on to them like this and be generous with them and to use them. And that money is this, it's actually this good gift from God. It's this thing that we're meant to steward and use as a tool for his purposes. So you might have come here thinking, okay, what do I have to give? Before you give, you have to receive. Before you give, you have to receive. And we come to God, not with our hands full. God, here are all the good things that I've done. No, we, go, we come to God with our hands empty. Jesus, I need, I need to, you to give to me. I need to receive from you. I need to receive forgiveness of sin and salvation and reconciliation. And Jesus is the most give, generous giver. He's the most generous giver in the history of the world. And everyone who knows Jesus here has experienced that generosity. That's the why. That's the why we give is because Jesus has given us so much and we receive much. And the more we understand Jesus as the most generous giver, we realize that we don't give so that he would love us. We give because he does. And we don't give to get. We give because we've already received. And we have this, this attitude of gratitude that we're, we're, we're children of God. And, and God, our dad, he's, he's, a, he's a good, generous, lavish father who loves to give to his kids. And we receive we receive humbly and thankfully, and so we can also share generously. That's the why. That's the why. Jesus is the most generous giver. Now, I want to shift just to challenge you with, with a few biblical truths about giving. Not all of these will apply to where you're at, but some of these, this spirit will land in the season that you're at with, with giving, with being more generous. Now, firstly, that giving should be cheerful. 
Giving should be cheerful. 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. I don't know how many of you, when you're, when you're paying your bills, when it's rent day, that, that, that you're cheerful about it. You know, you're dancing, you're cheering, you're clicking your heels, that you get to pay your bills. That money exits your bank account, off you go, I'm cheerful. Now, of course not, that's it's ridiculous that you'd be cheerful about that. But God's encouraging us that when we, when we give to his mission, when we give to God's purposes, that we should be cheerful, that we should actually be excited to give. Not, not reluctantly or under compulsion. It's not about guilt, but that it's actually about gladness. And it's not about having to give. It's about getting to give and celebrating that everything actually belongs to Jesus. Everything. He's given me so much and that I actually get the joy to share it with others and experience the grace as they receive it. Because God loves a, cheerf- a cheerful giver. And I wonder, I wonder what's happening in our in our hearts, if, if tithing or being generous to those around us, giving to God's purposes, feels like we're, we're paying a bill and we have the same reluctancy and no joy in that, there might be something happening in our hearts. And I actually think Jesus actually gives us these principles of, of being cheerful, of being generous for our good. And then when he says in Acts 20, 35, that we're more blessed to give than to receive, that it's actually a principle for our flourishing and human flourishing. I don't know what Christmas Day looks like for you guys in your lounge room, but um, in our lounge room, there's a bit of like wrestling about who gets to open their gifts first. It's like, no, 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 you, you open your gift first. No, 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 you open your gift first. No, 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 you open your gift first. And then, of course, someone's like, oh, I don't want to open my gift first. And Christmas, there's always, there's always this big argument, who goes first, who goes first, because for me... I get excited and I get this joy in seeing someone that I love open a gift and to see the joy and excitement on their face as they open a gift. It's, it's, it's cheer for me. I actually get, I get joy as, as I'm generous and see them open and enjoy a gift. Because if you've never heard this before, nobody's more full of joy than Jesus. No one has given as much of, as Jesus and if giving makes you cheerful, Jesus is the happiest, joyful person that's ever lived. And he's giving cheerfully. And as we give cheerfully and see Jesus do ministry and we get to be a part of it, it's actually quite incredible and amazing. And um, I, know there's, I don't know if there's money that you've spent that you regret, you strongly regret. No, no, you, look, you look in your bank account, I regret that meal, I regret that. I'm 10 years old, I watched Mighty Ducks for like the seventh time, immediately went out, bought, spent $400 on rollerblades. $400 on rollerblades, I was 10 years old. Real top heavy, bad balance. I put the rollerblades on, you know, Elvis, knee shaking, boom, scraped my knee, never wore the rollerblades again. Massive regret, that's $400 down the drain. There's often times when we really regret the money that we spend. By giving to the cause of Jesus, is always a good use of money. Giving to bless others, to be generous, to let them experience grace and experience the blessing of receiving. It's a good use of our money. Now some of you are thinking, all right, how much? How much do I give? 
two, back to 2 Corinthians 9-7 that we looked at, has this interesting principle for us that each one must give as he has decided in his heart. It's something that's actually very personal and it should come from the heart. How much should I give? How much should you give? I don't know. I don't know. 1%? 99%? I don't know. But I'd love for you today, maybe before you leave the room, before you go to bed, to, to reassess your giving and where your money's going. Not just, not just after, after paying the bills, the things you've got to pay, rent, car, food. Where's that, where's that extra money? Where's that going? I'd love for you to reassess that, to be intentional, to be, to be prayerful about that. Um, I'm not going to unpack it all now, but as, you've, you know, as you came into Anchor, you would have sat down on a whole bunch of stuff on the chair. One of them was this Giving at Anchor booklet. It's, it's excellent. I'll implore you to, if you want to think about how to partner with us, what, what giving looks like, have a read through that um, and think about what's, what's the next steps. But honestly, on your knees, asking Jesus, this is your money. It's a gift from you. Where would you have me spend it? But James, I'm actually um, actually a uni student. I'm an apprentice. Don't have a lot of money. I'm living off Migo Rang and Milo. Life's pretty tight right now. How do I give? What should I do? What should I do? And I was challenged by this. Um, I became a Christian when I was 19 in uni, living off Centrelink. Um, and I was challenged with this principle that Is giving, it's not about the money, it's actually about the worship of our heart. And if, if you're, not, you're not faithful with giving from a little, it probably won't be faithful when you have a lot. Jesus references this, Luke 16.10, this idea of that whoever is faithful with little will be faithful with much. How interesting that if you're faithful with a little, even with your Centrelink, even with your small wage, that you'll be faithful with much. And if you're thinking, that, that little amount that I'm giving, that, that, that won't make any impact there. God doesn't care about that amount. God cares about your heart. And if you're not giving with your little, it's going to become very difficult. And you think you're at uni and you think, I'm just going to give when, when I get my first full-time job. I'm just going to give when no, no, no. When I, when I get the mortgage, when I get, when I get the house. When, when I finally pay off the mortgage, that's when I can be generous in giving. It keeps going. That this is about building a posture of our heart, a culture of generosity and giving. And Jesus doesn't want your money. Jesus doesn't want your money. He wants your heart. He already owns all the money, the whole earth, every square inch, he owns it. He wants your heart. Now, but James, I'm just going to get that. I'm just going to give with my, my time and my gifts. This is in my life. I'm just going to give with my time and my gifts. Proverbs 3.9 says that, Honor the Lord with your wealth and from the first fruits of your produce. Interesting. Honor the Lord, not, with, not just with your time, your gifts, but also your wealth. What are they getting at here? And again, Luke 16, Jesus, I think, unpacks this, that theme a bit more because he's getting to the heart. Luke 16, 13 says that you cannot serve both God and money. You cannot serve both God and money. 
And Jesus is explicit that if you're not using your money to serve God, it's actually serving something else. And you, you want to know what you love, you value, you worship, just follow the bank transactions, follow the money. I found this quote that was super helpful and challenging in preparing for this, and digging to the heart of what's happening. The church is going to disciple people, it can't avoid the subject of money. This isn't about funding the ministry, God can take care of that. This is about leading people to be disciples because God doesn't fully have a person's heart until he has control of their finances. This isn't about funding ministry. God can take care of that. This is about leading people to be disciples. God doesn't fully have a person's heart until he has control of their finances. That all of life, everything we have, is worship in response to what God's given us. And I think what Jesus is actually getting here in Luke 16 is that giving actually exposes our worship of our heart and it exposes our idols. Now, if you guys haven't heard that term idols, it's kind of like what we worship, what we, what we adore, what we spend our time, money, all of our thinking on, that giving I actually think exposes what's going on in the heart. Say, say if your idol is comfort, I can, I can resonate with this. Man, I would give, but then, then I would not have as much for me. And I wouldn't have, I'd have, to, I'd have to make some sacrifices in my life. And oh wow, okay, my idol of comfort's actually being exposed through my giving. Maybe I have this, this idol of security, wanting to control everything. And I don't really need all that money, but I set it aside because if I ever do need it, then I can lean on it. Then I can lean on it instead of leaning on Jesus. We see, as, as we give, we actually dig up our root idols, and there should actually be cheerfulness to that, because oh, I, didn't, I didn't know that was there. I didn't know that was there. Jesus, everything I have, all of life, is for you. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. And when God tells us to do something, he's not being this mean-spirited father who's imposing his terrible will on reluctant children. He's actually a loving dad who always knows what's best for his children and he invites his kids to live in freedom and joy with him. And if you see God as a, as a good father who actually knows what's best for us and he, it's actually for our joy and for our freedom that we would be generous, that we would be generous. And I think as we learn the giving lesson, it actually gives us a lot of freedom because I don't know if you've experienced this, I think generous people... They're the best friend. You guys have generous friends? I have a lot of generous friends. He's always, always shouting me a meal. He's shouting the first beer. He's, they're, they're better friends. Generous people are better friends. Generous people are better spouses. I've experienced this, that you can, as I receive from God, I'm more able to give generously. Time, I'm a better listener. I have more affection, encouragement. You're gonna be a better parent, a better grandparent, a better worker a better co-worker as you're more generous. And see, giving is not just that God would get the money out of your pockets, but that he would get the idols out of your heart. And he would allow us to share in his joy as we give to others. And all of life, I want us to say this, all of life is about giving. And as we learn the giving lesson, it actually transforms our life. And givers make the best worshippers, the best friends, the best parents and the best spouses. Giving is for our joy and for our freedom. 
Like I said, I think I struggle with that as a truth. R- reality growing up, holding on to money. I learned this, this giving lesson through a friend of mine, his dad. So Paul Bickle, I want to tell you a story about Paul Bickle, his son, really close friend of mine. We used to have GC at Paul Bickle's house up in Belrose, north of the bridge. I was there, I was at the house, I reckon three, four times a week for a season of four years. GC, hanging out there. It was a bit of a sanctuary there. If, I, if things weren't good at home or I wasn't feeling refreshed at home, that's where I would go. Now, something interesting always happened when I went over to that house. When I went over to that house, Paul would always introduce me. The dad would come up, come up to me, oh, James, oh, I didn't know you were coming. So good to see you. And then about 20 minutes later, dinner would arrive. All, this, all, this, all these snacks and foods would be on the table. I come over, you know, I come over for dinner the next week. Hey, Paul, so good to be here. Yeah, I'm here for a barbecue. 20 minutes later, every cut of meat is on the table. How did this happen? It's a matter from heaven. And what, what I found out all, all these years that Paul, even if he knew we weren't coming over, Paul would sneak out the back of the house, go through the side entrance, hop in his car, go to Woolies, buy food, buy dinner, and generously, lavishly provide food for all of us that, that were there. I was like, Paul, man, he's doing this like two, three times a week. This has got to be costing a lot. Anyway, many years later, I was a groomsman at his son Steve's wedding. And I'm thinking, oh, I'm so happy for Paul. You know, Steve finally moves out of home. He doesn't have to, you know, he doesn't have to like halve his food budget every single week. Paul, the dad, he charges up to me quite aggressively at the wedding reception, puts his hand on my shoulder and started to well up. And he looks me in the eyes. And he goes, you better still come over. You better still come over. And in that moment, I realized that he, he was so generous and he gave to us, not out of duty as a parent, but out of joy. And that he loved to bless and give. And in his giving, in his generosity, he was the one that was blessed. He was the one that received joy. He was the one that was blessed. And this is what God's trying to teach us, that when when God's people, we get God's heart, we become generous. We become joyful. And we experience the joy of giving. And we get to see others experience grace through our giving, through others' giving. And we're actually glad that Jesus would share this experience with us, share share his message with us so that we can be generous with it. Friends, being generous is the best life. And I want you to have joy. And to have joy, you need Jesus. And if you have Jesus, you must be generous. If you've received Jesus, you must be generous. I invite the worship band up.